Welcome into the Raheel Show podcast. Today we're going to be chatting with uh, my new friend, Grant Pinkerton of Pinkerton's Barbecue here in Houston. We'll be talking about uh, how to get your business started and finding your passion in life, all the, the good stuff that we always chat about. But first, I want to give a shout out to all the sponsors of the Raheel Show podcast. Big, big love to Sneaker Summit. If you haven't heard about Sneaker Summit, they've been doing events in Houston for 15 years. The Sneaker Summit crew finally has opened their own storefront where you can find any sneakers you're looking for and more. The new Sneaker Summit storefront is in Upper Kirby on South Shepherd and 59. They've got everything in sneakers from the latest releases like Yeezys, Ultra Boost, NMDs to rare and vintage collectibles like Air Jordans, Nike SB, Supreme, and Bape Apparel and Accessories. They had a huge uh, Air Max Day yesterday, and if you aren't following them on social media, you need to. You can find them on all social channels at Sneaker Summit, and you can go to we- you can go to the website sneakersummit.com. They're open Monday to Sunday, 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. And they can also here's a cool thing: if you have uh, a sneaker that you want to sell, uh, it can be a Jordan, anything collectible, whatever you think, uh, you can get in there and they can kick, uh, they can sell it to you. They'll appraise it. Uh, excuse me, they'll sell it for you, they'll appraise it, and they'll sell it for the top market value on co-signment. So get in there and check them out. This is a very cool store, and you know, you're not going to go in there. If you think you got to spend hundreds of dollars, you don't. They've got a lot of great specials there. Uh, you can get something for as low as 50 bucks. but if you are looking for something that you can't find, they will get it for you, and you will love it, guys. Check them out, Sneaker Summit. Sneaker Summit 59 and Kirby, and once again, they are awesome, guys. So uh, get in there, sell your shoes, or buy some new stuff. Sneakersummit.com and the social media platforms at Sneaker Summit. I follow them on I follow them on Instagram, and uh, you can get some awesome deals on there. They post up all their good deals. Sneakersummit.com. Uh, Perfume Time Houston. If you haven't been there yet, it's my dad's store. Uh, why are you paying full price on colognes, perfumes? Uh, watches, watch battery replacement. They can do it all for you there at Perfume Time. 8,000 Harwin. Guys, they've got all the big names. Give them a call at 713-782-0030. And if you are looking for a, a, a certain perfume or clone, ask them. Be like, hey, do you have this? And they'll let you know. And uh, you come on in there and check it out. Don't pay whole, uh, don't pay retail prices. Pay wholesale prices. And when you get in there, mention you heard it right here on the Raheel Show podcast, and you're going to pay the Raheel price because I get a discount when I go in there, and so should you. Perfume Time Houston. Just go on Google, look them up, Perfume Time Houston, or 713-782-0030. Make sure you say hi to my dad when you're there. HTownDental.com, four locations around the city of Houston, HTownDental.com. If you know somebody that is having issues, uh, they can't get, you know, they can't pay for their dental work, uh, go to H-Town Dental. They will put them on a very beneficial plan that helps them out. And guys, they are all about you, the customers. Uh, if you go in there right now and when you book your appointment on HTownDental.com or call them, let them know you heard it on the Raheel Show podcast. You get a free cleaning and x-rays. Boom, a little hookup there, htowndental.com. Find all the locations. You can book your appointment online at htowndental.com. All right, let's do this bad boy. We got Grant Pinkerton hanging out with me today. We're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, Grant, uh, Pinkerton's Barbecue now open for three months, and uh, congratulations, but it's been uh, years in the making, right? Yeah, it has. Uh, so, Grant, we met, we met last week for the first time ever. Yeah. And we started chatting, and I was like, damn, we got to get you on the podcast because 
Uh, how old are you now? 25? 28. No, 28. I kind of started when I was 25, but okay. 28 now. It's been so, a yeah, road. give us a story. This is very cool. You were at UT. Yes. And after college, what happened? Um, <clears throat> I was at UT, graduated. I definitely did the double victory lap thing. Yeah. So I was hanging out in Austin a lot. Um, moved back to Houston after graduating. Ate some uh, barbecue here and uh, sitting on my sofa. When, well, actually, my parents' sofa was not mine. And... Uh, Really thought that Houston barbecue could be better. I mean, this was like three and a half years ago. A lot of stuff has happened since mm-hmm. that epiphany for me. But um, there's still room for great barbecue here. Oh, absolutely. So like three and a half years ago is when it kind of hit you. It's like, man. So if, for those of you that don't know, in Central Texas, we both went to UT. So right. barbecue over there is huge, especially Central Texas barbecue. There's like... There's this feeling about Central Texas barbecue that everyone feels it's the best because you got Lockhart out there, you got Black's barbecue and all that good stuff. Yeah, and you've got the explosion in Austin. I mean, yeah. and that really happened while I was at school. So, 07, you know, where do you go to eat barbecue in Austin? Your options are limited, drive down to Lockhart. By 2011, there's like places opening up every oh, other yeah. month. Great places, you know? Franklin's is uh, opening up in this point, I believe. Uh, right. 09, right. I think, is when they opened. Yeah, 09. Um, what's the other one? La Barbecue opened up yeah, a little Barbecue. bit later after that, like oh, like 2010? Yeah, or yeah like, pretty shortly after that. I'm not sure exactly on the year, mm-hmm. but definitely followed up there. And then there was like, I mean, now they even have Craft Barbecue on West Campus. That's nuts. Like really high-end Craft Barbecue. Yeah. So. so is that what this movement is called? Is Craft Barbecue? Yeah, or this is Craft Barbecue. Craft Barbecue. So uh, we've always, like everyone's uh, grown up eating at certain barbecue joints. You know, Good Company, Papa's. You can go in there. Uh, you've got your Rudy's of the world if you're in Austin. Like I grew up on, uh, when I was in Austin, I don't want to say I grew up on it, but when I was in Austin for school, I used to do a lot of radio promotional work. So I was doing like the bitch work. Like that's how you get in this industry is you start putting up the tents and you start handing out flyers and Rudy's would bring out food for us. So, you know, they would bring by 300 sandwiches and only 100 people show up. So there'd be 200 sandwiches left <laughs> over. So I would legit take 50 home. Yeah. And all week long, all I would do is eat Rudy's chopped uh, brisket uh, sandwiches. That's it. Yep. Coolest like, kid on campus. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and all oh, my roommates love me. Like, oh, here, yeah, you want Rudy's? There'd be a ton. Like, we don't have room in our fridge. But everyone grew up eating that. But then the, the movement happened. Like, where did it start? Where Where was the first place that where the craft barbecue kind of became mainstream, in your opinion? Uh, <clears throat> I think it exploded in Austin. I yeah. mean, there's some stuff in South Carolina. They've always kind of been doing it. I mean, it's a lot of getting back to tradition, um, mm-hmm. and uh, I think the 80s were a really weird time for barbecue. The 80s is when everything started drying out and getting a lot more saucy in Texas. Yeah. Um, and not to toot the guy's horn, but Aaron Franklin played a gigantic role sure. in creating the craft barbecue movement. He was the guy that started looking into super high-end um, briskets, USDA Prime, yeah. uh, Black Angus, um, things like that, taking... Going kind of moving away from rotisserie stuff mm-hmm. and gas-fired pits, going back to old school, low and slow, yeah. um, cooking it that way. And um, I don't know if you guys out there have eaten Franklin Barbecue, um, but the dude did a ton for the barbecue industry and kind of uh, opened up Pandora's box for a bunch of young guys. And now in... And Barbie, it'll be really interesting to see the new Texas monthly list. Yeah. Um, if you look at the Texas monthly top 50 barbecue joints in Texas, a.k.a. the world, um, 
there's a lot of old school joints on there and some that you might have eaten at and gone, really? You know, this new crop, it's going to be really interesting. I think the landscape is going to change a ton. There's a lot of people um, under 35 that are cooking some of the best barbecue in Texas. That's awesome. And there's definitely kind of a power shift going on now from, you know, old school to new school guys. But if you think about it, it kind of falls right in line with craft beer movement. Yeah. Um, all these craft distilleries opening up. Yeah. Um, craft is back. I don't know why. I don't want to call it hipster, but. Um, but there's that quality. It's that need for quality. I think there, that's it, it. It, it's a need for quality more than anything. And it, it also times up with, you know, guys kind of in our age range where you're 28, I'm 32, so we're not too far apart. Right. But it also lines up with. The, the people that you grew up with now, they're a little bit more successful. They can afford to pay a little bit more for that quality. And, you know, oh. you're just tailoring to that almost where it, it's like, hey, okay, so I can get barbecue for $8 a pound. And it might be okay. It might be good. It might hit, you know, it's fine. Or I can pay a little bit more and get this great quality, this this craft barbecue. Right. And, like, I hate that, like, craft brings this buzzword almost of, like, Ooh, yeah, and yeah, like, like a, a like a, and it's like kind of douchey, like ooh, craft barbecue right. or San Francisco, and but no, I, I think it's a commitment to quality more than anything. Well, and I think the image that I always kind of go back to with craft because I deal with the same thing is um, when you're making barbecue, it's kind of like an art. Yeah, it had gotten so mechanized that uh, a lot of the art was taken out of it, and it was. Put briskets in, set dial to 245, mm-hmm. have dude sit there and make sure it doesn't catch on fire for 12 hours, pull it out, slice it up, sauce it, and serve it. Um, with the craft thing, you know, it's getting back into splitting your own wood and really taking it back to the to the old school. So instead of, I guess, thinking about it as a bunch of guys from San Francisco standing around yeah. making barbecue, let's think about it with like a bunch of guys a hundred years ago, how they were making barbecue. Yeah. Like quality. It's like just it good is totally food. quality driven. Quality driven and yeah. I was reading a thing in the New York times, not that long ago um, about this generation and the importance they place on qu- quality mm-hmm. and not quantity. Uh, there's two types of shoppers. There's your value shopper, and then mm-hmm. there's your quality shopper. And millennials and this kind of age demographic are totally quality-driven. Yeah. Um, so if you're okay with upsetting some older folks, um, charging more and doing that kind of thing, then do it. Because yeah. guess what? The people who are going to be making money and starting families and stuff, one, a lot of people don't want to spend 20 hours on a pit uh, all up all night cooking a brisket that may turn out horrible. Yeah. So the so they are more than happy to come, and most people are more than happy to come and pay a, a I will say it a premium price for a premium product. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like a lot of people do get upset at you know with the with the newer joints that are opening up, and you're like, what? It's twenty dollars a pound for barbecue. Back in my day, I used to pay this and that. Well, that's fine. You don't have to pay it. But once you do, like, that quality, once you get used to it, man, it's it's so interesting in that you mentioned that this generation, um, you know, there's a lot of clothing lines that are built on, hey, we're going to give you a premium product. Is it good? Like, a T-shirt is going to cost you 30 bucks as opposed to $8.99? Yes. Right. It might. But you're going to get this premium quality. And if you don't want it, it's not a big deal. Like, you don't have to buy it. That's the other thing. Um, 
uh, oh, about if you this. Can't yeah. tell the difference. Don't buy it. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, absolutely. Just like wine. Yeah, yeah. It's just like wine. You have people that drink five dollar sure. bottles of wine, and they think people are crazy for drinking the hundred dollar bottle. Yeah. But you know what? The guy who can appreciate the hundred dollar bottle, he he can taste the difference. Mm-hmm. If you can't taste the difference between the five and the hundred, drink the five every time. Yeah. You know, if you can't taste the difference between this kind of barbecue and you know some gas station barbecue eat the dang gas eat station that, yeah. barbecue. enjoy whatever makes you happy right um but i will say there's to me that happiness of biting into that first bite of beef rib man yeah, yeah. um and i'm not just saying this because you're on the show i promise i'm not guys because uh, you're not a you're not a paid sponsor for the podcast. You do advertise on ESPN i seven five. That's how we met. So right. I'll just put that little thing out there. Uh, but Pinkerton's Barbecue now open uh, in the Heights. You guys can go check them out, and we'll get to your story in a second. But that that beef rib, man, holy shit, that was good. Yeah, that I didn't was get like myself here. The beef rib got me here. Yeah. Oh man, that beef rib is outstanding. Like I think, and I oh I I, can't, I might get hung for this, but I think it's better than Blacks. Yeah, I really do. I, I think there's just that bark, that spice on it. It's perfect. Uh, so you guys got to check that out. So you started um, with a trailer, right? Yeah, I started with a trailer, and a lot of people were like, oh, a food truck. No, this was just totally a different. barbecue yeah. trailer. Uh, it was a walk-on, but it, we weren't like – it wasn't you know your super fancy trailer. It was made by a uh, ag class in like 1996 for a cook-off team uh, in Liberty County. And this guy commissioned the trailer – and they built it for him, and these people went and did, like, a cook-off once a year, so it was in great shape, mm-hmm. and the guys were selling it, and I found it on Craigslist, and uh, I said, okay, I, I'm going to invest in this little barbecue trailer. Worst thing that happens is it ends up back on Craigslist. Yeah. So, um, got it. Were you in Just, Houston at the time? Yeah, yeah, I was you were here. in Houston, decided, back, home, like, back home from Austin, all yeah, that stuff? Okay. Yes, yes, in Houston. I decided, like, within five days, I was going to host my first pop-up, you know? Why not? It's, Screw it. You What's know? the worst thing? So before that, did you did you go and um, like learn these recipes, or did your family have these recipes? Like, where, how did you learn all this? Because that is a there's there there is that concept of okay, there's a trailer on sale. I got this. This is awesome. I'm gonna do it. But did you have prior experience? Yeah, doing but anything? it was super ballsy to do it on the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> Looking back on it, like what a terrible idea. I didn't even practice on it. Nothing. First first time. Your first was time was just doing <laughs> yeah, that one. It was such a bad idea, but I did it, and it was like July. Uh, but no, when I was a young kid, like 12, I started doing barbecue in the backyard. It wasn't okay. really a family thing. It was just something I had an interest in. I uh, went to look for, I guess, a brisket recipe. And the brisket recipe was salt, pepper, 225 till it's done. You know, it's like, uh, okay, it, well, yeah. that seems fairly simple. Why is this the hardest thing? First one I did with my uh, my dad helped me out. Awesome. Like the progressive next 50, terrible. You really? know, it's like too smoky, too dry, too salty, too peppery. Well, let's try to add some garlic, you know. You know, start, yeah, then yeah. you start really monkeying with the – and what I ended up getting back to was, okay, let's take it back to the basic, you know, and and, and start from peg one again that made that first one so good. Um, but all through high school, I went to Lamar High School here in town. Nice. I was in uh, ag and FFA. I raised animals. I had uh, animal science kind of background while I was in high school, and I used to weld barbecue pits together. Uh, in so this ag is kind of this is like your passion. That, yeah, I mean, I it is your passion, I right? Think. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. It and definitely at the time, it was like one of those things. Like, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to be a commercial real estate agent. You know, I'm going to go make a bunch of money. Yeah. Um, and I came back from college. And I was like sitting there. I got a degree in rhetoric and writing, and I was like, oh, I would really like to chase a passion. And I, I love the outdoors, so I said, Well, 
you know, at the degree in rhetoric and writing, I'm going to try to write for an outdoor magazine and start an outfitting business. Yeah. And at the same time, I'm like, I'm going to cook barbecue because I'm not paying for any barbecue here anymore. And, um, well, when you cook barbecue for one person, you end up with like a surplus of a ton of barbecue. Sure. So I was always giving it away. And uh, I would give it away to my buddies and my circle of friends started growing. You know, you start oh, giving sure away barbecue yeah. to friends. You Everybody's gain like, more oh, friends. Grant, what's up, man? How you yeah, you got exactly. a, Oh, you got barbecue leftover. Cool, man. Right. And so in high, back, in, back in high school, I used to have an annual pig roast every year. Okay. Um, so one of the pigs I'd raised, we'd split it. And I mean, whole hog is, is a very... Um, time-honored tradition and in barbecue and at the time i just thought it was something cool to do and and i didn't really realize how big an undertaking cooking a whole hog as a high schooler was looking back on it now that i'm in the barbecue game that's pretty remarkable you're in the barbecue game yeah you're just dealing some brisket out like that the barbecue game i like that funniest part is when i first started it was all out of my driveway so i i called self-proclaimed neighborhood meat dealer you yeah. know you'd i'd be smoking in the backyard running a business out of my parents house people would come knock on the door brown bag of meat out cash in hand back in the house and then you know the neighbors are like what is you know what's going on yeah what, how what, what's in those bags you know but uh the following started growing i started um taking down everybody's name and number that was coming to get barbecue and letting them know that we we're going to do it then uh that was just out of my backyard pit then i got the trailer and I then you made the soap. decision to do a pop up, and uh, I think I cooked like uh, a couple hundred pounds of meat. Okay, and I sold out in forty five minutes. Wow! Yeah, and I was like, "Whoa!" So how did is... the how did the message spread that that fast? Was it just your circle of friends? And, no, I had a really and, awesome and... boss who let me hijack his parking lot and oh, okay, at a gotcha. gym in, in West University. And um, where were you? Where were you working at the time? Uh, the Next Level Fitness. It's okay. right behind Bearings. Um, the guy who owns it, Cedric Johnson, is he's awesome. And uh, he was one of the guys that ate my food, and was like, "Grant, you have to. You need to do something with this. This is way too good to just. You need to chase this. You're young. Yeah. Uh, you can use my place. You can advertise here. We have a lot of. You know. So, so you know, see what happens. He really helped push me in that direction. Um, so I did it, and it was a huge success. And being like super broke, just out of college, man, that was a lot of cash to see in one spot. You That's know? what I was going to ask you. Was it like a? Did that you make a lot of money off well, yeah, of that? No, yeah, you what did. I right? Realized was holy crap, man! I can make money. I can make a lot more money doing this, something that I like to do, yeah. once a week, than I can working at a at a normal job. Isn't that crazy? Like when you go to college and. You, you, like you have this passion already, and a lot of and, and this is this, the reason I'm bringing this up is for people that are listening that if you're in college or you're like an entry level job and you do have this passion, um, chase it, chase it, figure out how you can make money off of that, it, figure out how it can support you financially, and you got to pay the bills. I'm not saying like, hey, just go broke doing it. Figure out how you can make the money off of it, but. Like the, your passion was there already. Like you knew that's like you had this love for barbecue going into college. Yet our society and our colleges train us to not chase those passions. Right. It's rare. Like for me, I knew I wanted to do something in sports media. I went in for TV initially, mm-hmm. and then I did it. And I was like, this fucking blows. <laughs> I like it's just not for me right now. Right. And then I started doing sports radio. I was like, this is what I want to do. Yep. So it, it, a lot of people, you know, my brother went in. He's like, I want to become a dentist, and he knew that was his thing. He wanted to be that. He did it. Yeah. It, it, it's rare though. Like for you, you're like, I want to do. Man, I love doing this. I love building pits. I love cooking. I love doing this. But I'm gonna do rhetoric and writing. Right. Well, you I know, do like, love writing. I do I, love writing. You do love it, but 
It's not, not is it your passion? Now. Yeah, 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 exactly. And it's crazy. Like we don't let we don't let students, we don't let kids chase their passion. Right. Like if you love to work out, don't go to school to become a lawyer. Don't do that. You're not going to do it. You're, right. you're going to end up being like, man, I fucking hate this. Mm-hmm. Go in there and learn about the body. Go, go do, go, go into a PT field. Go do something else that you want to chase. If you love playing video games, learn how to learn how to design video games so you can work in video games. Like, it's so crazy how we let people just go. Oh yeah, you know what? Yeah, your passion will be there. It's fine. Chase that. It's so frustrating to hear, and not just you. I'm just in general. I was thinking about this. It's so frustrating to hear kids go, yeah, man, I love doing this, but yeah, I'm going to be an accountant. Dude, like, you have why? plenty of time to sit at a desk. Yeah. I mean, give yourself a, a cutoff time. Yeah. I'm going to chase my passion until I'm X years old. Yeah. Give it time to mature and grow and allow it to take off. Um, I think a lot of people, you know, they're like, okay, I'm going to spend six months trying to make my turn my passion into a, a, mm-hmm. you know, a big-time job. Well, it's going to take a lot longer than six months. Oh, yeah. It's going to take a you long know, time. You really have to nurture that baby yeah. and, and figure out what your avenues uh, are going to be to be successful. And the other thing is look around and utilize your resources. I mean, a resource is your parents are going to let you stay at, your, at their house. Dude, humble yourself. It's Keep stay- the free rent. Put the money that you're going to put into living independently into the business and help it grow. Yeah. And thank your parents profusely for it. Absolutely. That's what I After college... I was like, dude, I was making barely anything doing sports radio. And I said, yeah, I could I could take on this, but I have student loans and I'm not going to save enough money and it's just going to put me in a horrible position. I'm staying at home. It's not right. a big deal. It sucks. Yeah. It sucks after you get your freedom and you know, you're out for four years uh, or longer and then you come back home. You're like, this sucks so bad. But <laughs> you save so much money, man. You do. You, you save, save a ton. so much and, money. And you, know, you got to remember when you're when you're doing something like that, there are going to be times where you need people to support you. Yeah. Good uh, point. And if and not give up. Mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of your friends are going to probably laugh at you at the in the beginning. I mean, think about this. I graduated from UT and came back. A lot of my friends were engineers and stuff and dude, why are you living on your parents' sofa cooking barbecue? You know, that I guess Grant's doing that now, you yeah. know. Oh well, that's okay. Let, Whatever. Who cares? Their opinion doesn't matter. And here's the other thing: it was good. So yeah, it's hey man. It, guess what? Grant's doing something that you're not chasing your dream because right. you're going to be miserable at your job. And I'll tell you exactly what's going to happen if you are if you're pursuing something that you're not passionate about. And I always used to think this was bullshit. Like when, when I was younger, mm-hmm. it's like whatever, dude. I'm going to make money and I'm happy. I'm good. No, it's not true. What's going to happen is you're going to be stuck at this job and you're all you're going to think about is how the hell can I get out of this? Like you should wake up Monday morning and you don't even think it's Monday morning. You're like excited to be back to work. Right. And I know a lot of people that are listening right now don't have that luxury. And uh, it, it's easy for me to say, it's easy for you to say, but it's true. Like, like I'm sure for you, when you wake up, you're like, oh, this is awesome. I'm going to work. And for you, it's even better. You're just going downstairs and you're at yeah, work. because you live, on top, of you live on top of the restaurant, which is badass. That's one of the coolest things ever. Like to live house. where you work. Like, you can just go down. It, it, oh, yeah. Awesome. Some people think it's possibly be the worst thing ever. I'm like, yeah, but, man, this is if you're doing something you like, Yeah, you're always awesome. there. You're excited. You can work on stuff with the restaurant. Because it's not your business. It's your it's your passion. It's your right. life now. Um, that That's awesome. Like, when you told me that, I was like, damn, that would be so badass. Because, mm-hmm. like, if I could live at the radio station, especially when I was starting out, man, I'd be doing, like, because constantly you can, you're thinking about work and you can go do it if you want. Right. 
for you, you're like, hey, man, what about this rubber? You can go right down no, and cut I, it that, up. That's actually exactly right. I have been sitting on my sofa mm-hmm. and thinking about, and, you know, an idea for, you know, pork rub or something pops into my head, and I just like, all right, dude, I'm going downstairs, run down the stairs, that's throw badass. it together, taste it. Oh, this is awesome. All right, open up a case of ribs. We're going to put it on this one. Let's taste it. Cook it, you know, cook it for six hours. Yeah. And, you know, that's a, when the moment inspiration hits you, you can run downstairs and make and execute. That's so awesome. So, okay, so you get the trailer. Your first pop-up is a huge success. You, you, got, some, you got some money now. You're like, okay, this, could, this can be a business. Not mm-hmm. could be a business. This can be a yeah, business. It just, showed, it just showed me that there, you can get paid for doing this. Yeah. You know, it's like something that in my head, I hadn't had that epiphany yet mm-hmm. that you can make money selling meat. Um, I mean, a million other people have, but it, that was when it got real for so, me. After that first pop-up, what happens? Because there's still three years before oh, yeah. the process starts, or two years before the process starts of opening up your brick and mortar, mm-hmm. which is the ultimate dream for anyone that has a trailer, a food trailer. Um, not the ultimate dream for everyone, but I think most want that. Like, hey, let's you know, uh, we got this food truck. You learn how you learn things. You kind of uh, get your craft down to a science, mm-hmm. and then you open this brick and mortar. Hopefully, a yeah. lot of there's so many successful businesses that have done that. Bernie's Burger Bus, I think, is like yeah. the number one example where they started with one, one, uh, one truck, food truck, yeah, turned bus. it into three, or bus, excuse me, yeah, the bus. They turned it into three, I believe, three total buses, and then they've got now two locations around. Yeah, and they're opening in the Heights, too. Oh, my God, another one. So that's, that's close that, to me. That's awesome. That would be awesome. I don't think it's, hey, good food never has competition. Well, and, you know, I think it earns the respect of a lot of people um, busting it out uh, mm-hmm. on a trailer or a truck, especially the truck guys. I have so much respect for people who cook on food trucks. I was on a, I was in a trailer and I pulled around and I, you know, I didn't do it day in day out. Mm. Um, it's just not possible with city health goods the way they are to do barbecue like that. But uh, those guys who are sweating it out in trucks, those those guys are freaking heroes. Yeah, they are. That is super tough work. You're in a tight space. Yeah, hot, hot, and there's usually a line around the block, so you're trying to hurry it up. Yeah, and, and it could be the middle of the night. You're serving drunk people. Yeah, I mean. Dude, it's really, really hard work, um, and there's a lot of culinary ingenuity going in, uh, going on on trucks, um, and there's a lot of awesome food being pumped out there. Um, so all of you out there, go support trucks and uh, let them know people are are appreciating sure. what they do. Absolutely. So you start get you start doing this. What happened after that? After your first pop up? Uh, decided to do another one, um, and um, started. Trying to bust into catering, so I started okay. marketing myself as uh, doing uh, barbecue catering. You know, we live in Texas. There's a lot of events that go oh, on. Yeah. I mean, I'm gonna like list off like graduation, Fourth of July, you know, all this stuff. But on the day to day, man, there's people having 30 person parties all across town that are oh, we should serve ribs and brisket, you know. So that's the kind of catering I'm talking about. You can rack up four, five, six of those in a day. Yeah. 30 per, thirty person, six 30-person dinners. Think about how many people you're serving. Yeah. And that's not even, you know, that. and especially if it's a drop-off or they come to pick it up from you. I mean, that's, you don't have to do anything but you prepare You don't have to do anything but prepare it. Yeah, and, that, and because you trust your product, at that point you've got potentially 30 new customers right. that are going to be seeking you out. Exactly. Yeah. And catering's great because if the food's good at a party, you know, you go up to the host and like, Man, where'd you get this barbecue from? Or, man, where'd you get these fajitas yeah. from? And people ask. It's the know? best word of mouth. Yeah, yes, you're right. That is awesome. So, uh, it was catering just something that presented itself, or did you know that market was there? Uh, you- that's kind of where the business thing came in. Pop ups are great. Um, however, you know, 
it can get destroyed by rain. So you you know you plan it out in in advance. You take that money that you've been making and you invested in in meat, and all of a sudden the and we live in Houston, Texas. The forecast changes. It's going to be super rainy and disgusting, and then nobody shows up. Or you know you have half the customers you thought you yeah. were going to come to a pop up. Well, now you're. You kind of just lost. What do you do with that extra meat? Exactly. Uh, you eat. It, you and your buddies eat it. You know. Yeah. Uh, and you eat. And you eat the loss. Um, so with catering, the beautiful part about catering is rain, shine, sleet, snow doesn't it, happen yeah. here. It's getting sold. It's already sold by the time you, when you purchase it. Yeah. You know. So it, um, there were some people, I guess, that were. Why don't you do more pop ups? This guy doesn't do as many pop ups as these other guys. I said, yeah, but look at it from a business perspective. Sure. Pop ups are a huge risk reward yeah catering guaranteed money yeah and you know exactly how many you're feeding you yeah and you're to... building a silent following too yeah that's the other thing with with pop-ups you can get more um uh social media play and mm-hmm. uh, kind of get recognized by the media more but uh boots on the ground happens at catering yeah you know, that's boom 30 customers are are locked in boom another 50 customers boom 150 uh they're not necessarily vocal, but you know that they're they're gonna they'll be they will be your customers. Yeah, it, it's crazy with the pop ups. If you do less of them, it's just that the old supply and demand. It, and I that's mean, like the other thing. that's the other like, dude. If you do a pop up every week, it it's not gonna it's not gonna sustain itself. Where it's like, oh, another Pinkerton barbecue pop up, great. What, well, what you, the, like, I did I did it for a little while uh-huh. uh, over in the museum district. Um, I did a, a weekly pop up and and I cut it because. It we did fine. We sold out. Yeah, but uh, we it, you know it took longer to. It wasn't like bam done. Um, and what I my thinking on was it what well, on it was that you can I can get it next week. Sure. You know instead of like oh he's having a pop up. We better be there. Who knows when the next one's gonna be? Yeah. It's ah uh, well he does it every week, so I'll just get next week. And then they get busy that that following week, and then they they um. They decide that they're going to show up the next week, you know, and then they never end up making it by the pop up. And when you have a pop up, man, you want to show out. You mm-hmm. want your fans. You to want show your up. best. Yeah, that's when you display to everybody that you do have a following. So when you start doing these pop ups, um, you know, they the first one's a huge success, and they progressively they're you're selling out, like you mentioned, but it's not like a forty five minute sellout. Right. Um, at that point, like, are you at what point are you thinking? Okay, I've got like if I can do sixty more of these, and I have enough to invest in a location. Or are you even thinking about that? Or no. Are you just still trying to like hone your craft? What are you doing yeah, in that process? I'm trying to hone the craft. Uh, and the other thing too is I'm trying to get my food in front of the right people, um, people who have the potential to invest. You that, know? Oh, okay. Um, opening a restaurant is super expensive. Um, but that's, you know, and my whole thing was sit back and um, when the situation is right to open the restaurant or, per, or, you know, make that leap, it'll present itself. And it'll, and I'll know that it is the right time. Um, and, uh, and, it, and it happened that way, too. It was really? like, oh, have you ever thought about opening a restaurant? Oh, yeah, I've rolled it around in the back of my head. Well, I would really like to... I really love the food, and I would um, like to help you out open the restaurant. Really? And that just randomly happened? Yeah, a catering job. Wow. Um, And the guy was really serious about it. And I had other people that had mentioned along the way in a less serious way that they'd kind of want to be involved if something like that were Mm -hmm. ever to have happened. 
And uh, I called them up, and um, they were in, you know. And uh, it was uh, it was kind of like, okay, we're doing this now, you know. And then it was a little, let me tell you, opening a restaurant in the city of Houston is super tough. Yeah. It is not an easy feat. It, and I was committed to opening inside the loop. I didn't want to go outside loop. I grew up inside the loop. I yeah. went to Lamar High School. Um, if you live in Houston, you know it's a small town in a big city. Open up where you have fans, you know? So how many pop-ups before this happened, by the way? Like roughly? Uh, let's see. I can't even count. Maybe, let's put it like uh, this: under fifty. Under fifty, and about a year. Probably under. About a year in, did this happen, or less than that? Uh, About a year and a half. About a year and and a half. Way, way under fifty. I mean, by the time that happened, it was probably like ten, eight. Wow. But there was catering jobs. There's catering jobs too. So that's about a year and a half in from the first. Like you bought the trailer on Craigslist. Right. A year and a half later, somebody approaches you and said, "Hey." Let's get this going. Like, uh, I'm serious. Are you serious now? Yeah. So you got that going on. You still, you're still doing catering and pop-ups. Is this a full-time job at this point? Uh, yeah, at that point. Uh, well, I mean, pretty much. Okay. Okay. I had another. I still had, like, a, a side job. Okay. Uh, still working at the gym. You know, not a whole lot, but just something to kind of keep me busy in the evenings. Sure. Um, and also as a... Uh, I enjoyed working there. So okay, hey, that, that's the other thing about like chasing your passion. And if you are in a job right now, uh, I think I mentioned this a couple of podcasts ago. So I apologize if uh, people are tired of hearing about this. But I'm I'm reading uh, Tools of Titans, uh, and it's a Tim Ferriss' new book. So it's all the interviews from his podcast with famous people, successful people, billionaires, celebrities, all that good stuff. But uh, one person gave this advice of write down your passion, love like whatever you want to do. Like hey, if you want to own you want to own a clothing store, and that's what you want to do. Write that passion down. Write down things you enjoy doing, first and foremost, and then brainstorm how you can turn that into a business. And now if you're in a current job, keep collecting that paycheck. Get mm-hmm. paid to brainstorm for your passion. Yeah, there's no reason if you have a paycheck yeah, don't, you don't leave, mind Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the other thing. It. Like, Don't leave that steady. Think about it this way. Somebody's paying you to find your passion right. and, and pursue that and make money off of that. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing. Like in a job... If you don't like it, you want to switch jobs. Don't just leave. Don't ever make this like th- this hot-headed decision. Like I'm leaving this job. I hate it. No, stay at that job. Yeah. Let them pay you to find your next job. Mm-hmm. Like business owners hate this advice, but just being a realist—that's what you got to do. Right. You got to do. So that's cool that you're keeping your normal job. You're doing this. So then the process starts of opening a restaurant, something you've never done before. Right. I'm going to assume your family never opened a restaurant either. Nope. Friends. Do I have any? Not at the time. Not at the time. I now have friends that have opened restaurants, but at the time, no. So now you're going into this pretty much blind. Yeah, and like 25 years old. 25 years old. 26. You are you putting your money's in this also now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I mean, you've got skin in the game, dude. I'm all in. (laughs) You're all in. What the fuck did that feel like? Uh, I'm a confident guy. Yeah. So I knew I was gonna make it work. And I had faith in it. Yeah. But like, uh, it was kind of like, and, and the family was involved too. I know it's my business uh, and stuff, but like, I'm, I would be lying to say that, I mean, my parents and the rest of my family, my brother 
and all these people didn't 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 what it did this was a under it says pinkerton's barbecue it's not grant's barbecue you know so yeah this is if you're gonna do this and especially at that age this is a familial undertaking yeah it sounds like your dad has a has a has a business and i bet you growing up as a kid that it was a familial business. oh i was there i was there every week yeah, working. your dad's business yeah but everybody's involved yeah you yeah, know what well, i'm saying? definitely working there um but it was kind of like standing around like okay so i guess we look for properties you know and then Okay, so what do we look for in properties? And kind of racking your brain uh, to find people that are in your in your daily life that um, that you already know that can kind of point point you in the right direction. People you know who do construction, um, somebody who's a small business owner. Start yeah. collecting um, advice from all these other people and bring them onto your team too. Grow your team. Uh, so that you have a bunch of knowledge from a bunch of different people. Yeah, use that network that you've yeah, created. A absolutely. lot of people that are at this point, you have a network. Mm-hmm. You just gotta, like, you just gotta sit down and be like, oh yeah, this guy does this, or and if, you know, this guy might know somebody that does this because he worked with some. Like, you gotta just exactly map it out and start so relying important. on other people. Allow yourself to rely on other people for things that you really don't. That's know what interesting. You're doing. Because that's a tough thing to do. It is super hard. That's got to be really hard, especially when it's your baby. Yep. You're like, oh, I really like this. I really like this property. Yes, there, but there could be a ton of stuff that's wrong with it. Yeah. You know, like, oh, How long did it take to find the right property? Two years. Because you have a badass property. It took a property. year. It took a year. It took, there were five locations that we looked at, uh, very, very seriously mm-hmm. looked at. It took a year to look at all those locations, signed a lease on one of them, and had to axe it. Uh, I mean, really got deep into some of these places before we found out that it wasn't a viable option. Then we found this place um, on North Main and Airline in the uh, Greater Heights area. And uh, from that point, it took an additional year uh, to open. Wow. So what is, uh, tell, tell the story about the property because this is... Oh, Lord. This um, is a crazy story. So the... Uh, like what it was before and like all the craziness. Okay. So yeah. Cause when you told me that, I was like, what? Yeah. So this property, uh, I'll start out with it. It, it got its certificate of occupancy pulled. And, um, a lot of you probably don't know what that means, but it's very, very bad. You don't want that to happen because it pretty much means that the building like doesn't exist and that you need to bring everything up to code. And so what had happened was there was a lady that had been occupying the building. And like I said, there's an apartment up top. Well, for the 10 years of this building's life, it had been permitted a, permitted as a restaurant, not a multi-use property. The city had been trying to get upstairs and look uh, to see what was upstairs for like 10 years. And they had, they had like a locked gate on the bottom of the doors. And they could never get up there. They finally go up there. The lady is living up there. The restaurant's going on downstairs. They have like an insurance office running in, in, uh, in the like the the I guess north wing of the building. You know, it's like permitting nightmare. Yeah. You know, and the city was like, okay, yeah, this isn't happening. We're pulling your CO. Everybody needs to get out. This building is defunct now. Um, so she left. She went back to the valley, and I'm, I mean, I never met the lady. Uh, and then, and a guy bought the property. And actually, my boss uh, Cedric. Uh, who works as the next level fitness, he kind of lives in the area. And he told me, he's like, man, you really need to go check out this property at North Main and Airline. Uh, it's right by my house. Go check it out. Uh, and I was like, dude, no way. I, ah, it seems like a little far away. I'm a South Side kid. Yeah. And uh, I woke up the next morning. I was like, I would be stupid not to check out every possible option out there. 
And I have been looking at a property on literally a mile from this place. So I'm like, Hey, yeah, you're already in that yeah, area. Yeah, go over there. Yeah, just check it out. Um, and so I went over there and I like looked at it and uh, I kind of squinted my eyes and it was in really uh, not awesome shape at the time, um, but it, it it could work. And then I wanted to bring a slice of the hill country to Houston. So I, I said, this could be like a hill country house style feel. And I called the guy and, who owned the property, the, the new owner of the property who was leasing it. And uh, he was really cool. And he liked me and he liked the story and he liked barbecue and he was kind of gung ho too. You know, just another nice happened to be the right person at the right time. And uh, we kind of shook hands on it. And he liked the fact that I didn't have a real estate agent. So okay. I did it so, myself. You yeah. Know? And um, so we, we decided that we were going to move forward with this. And um, we put a lot of work into the property. I mean, it was, it was three months. I'm, the short of it is three months designing plans for it. Um, cause remember I had to re-permit it. So I had to make sure everything was up to code. We're doing a major renovation too. So everything needed to be, um, you know, inspected by the city, HVAC, yeah. electrical plumbing. Had so to dude, be when you get this process started, let me pause you there with the permits and all that stuff. Uh, does the guy that owned the building, like he kind of knows like, Hey, you need to get this permit or are you just calling the city of coal? Are you Googling dude, it? We like, both called the city. He thought that it was just going to be like pay 250 bucks and get your CO back. We called the city, and I'm like, yeah, I'm calling about 1504 Airline Drive. And they're like, oh, yeah, we know that property. Yeah. And it's like, oh, God, when the person at the city knows the property, something it's bad like has a, happened yeah. there. You know, it's like that property is red flagged. And I'm like, well, what's red flagged, you know? And uh, they're like, yeah, there's no CO there. You're going to have to go through the whole process of getting a certificate of occupancy and everything. And um, it, it, it went from uh, just a simple remodel to, like, you know, 12 different departments needed to approve plans to remodel the place. And uh, so we started doing the design work. And God, was it just like every time you would call them, like they would send you to a different department and then this guy sends you there and like, oh, yeah, we got to come out now. And it's just like all this red tape. Six months, man. And and just the permitting. Just 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 You haven't even touched the property yet. Haven't touched construction yet. Oh, my God. Plans kept getting kicked out for certain reasons uh and um i have a million ideas on how we can fix that down there vote for me and from there um but but it there's no continuity man like one guy would tell me to fix uh the parking how the parking spots were aligned and then i'd resubmit all the plans because here's how it works you have to pass every single department in order to start so let's say i pass nine out of the ten departments i submitted my plans to you can't get your building permits for your HVAC because your plumbing failed. You know, it's like, then you got to do the whole process. You again? have to get, yes, everything, everything has to come out and resubmit it. And when you resubmit, they don't go to the same person that reviewed them the first time. Oh, they now God. go to a new person who has a new set of comments and they don't care what Joe, the first guy said, yeah, this is Bob and Bob is going to give you his comments and he's going to kick him out again. So it's like, um, it, it, there were, there were times during that where I had to like get on YouTube and listen to motivational videos about not giving up. So during that, the whole, the whole time, how long, how many tries did it take you to get everything passed and finally get the permit? What do you think? Maybe five resubmissions. Five resubmissions. And it's three weeks. And I'm sure it's free every time. No, 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 it costs you money. Oh, no, 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 it's the government. I'm sure it's free. I'm sure they're looking out for their citizens, right? Like where they're like, no, hey, you. Grant, you've already paid this fee. Let me, you know what? We got it. Yeah, we had a tree that was on the property that was somewhat close to the... Um, oh, my to God. A, we had a tree, okay? 
there's one there's one arborist for the city of Houston, and we had a tree that was like within ten feet of the parking lot, and it took us three months to get in contact with this guy, uh, calling him every day to tell us that it was okay to expand the parking lot right there, and we couldn't get our permits until until that happened. So you're just sitting around three months, just yeah, waiting, email and calling every day, and no response, and you can't get you can't start work until this guy responds. It's like your life, your baby is in his hands. You gotta be kidding me. Um. The permitting process was terrible. It okay. took six months, man. And like, you're at that. You're at a breaking point at this. Like, yeah. You, at that point, I'm like, this may never happen. Yeah. Um. Fuck. Yeah. So then we got the permits, and I was like, okay, it. I don't know when. It could be ten years from now, but it will happen. And this thing, we will build this thing. So once you get the permit, you're ready. Like then you can move forward with any redesigns. Oh yeah, we're ready to roll. Then you're ready to roll. Okay. You got to follow the plans, but. Um, but you know, like after six months, like we really should have drawn that differently. We're like, yeah. But we're not going to. You can't. Yeah. It. You're not going. So how intricate are the plans? Like down to everything inside, yeah, or man. is it more outside? Oh no, this is everything. This is everything. HVAC plans, plumbing. Where's plans, HVAC? Uh, uh, air conditioning. Okay. Uh, vent ventilation systems. I mean, this is the plumbing system. All ev- down to every drain, every sink, every outlet, every light oh, fixture. My God. I'm talking. Uh, like sixty-five pages or something like that worth of uh, worth of plans. Did you have I mean, to pay somebody to get these plans done, or did you? Do oh it? yeah, I'm yeah, an architect. Uh, yeah, you have to and do a mechanical it. engineer, and uh, you know, uh, a, a kitchen consultant. You know, because oh, I, you have to lay it out the right way. Otherwise, you know, you can't. You have to have like a prep station so close to a hand sink, so close to a dump sink, so close to. A, I mean, how am I supposed to know any of that stuff? Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. It looks which well, that that makes like the sanitation stuff makes sense, but man, the city does. You're telling me the city does not make it easy for people to open up a, a new business or a restaurant. They could make it a lot easier. Man, that's a crazy. That's just crazy. Um, so then construction started, and construction was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, no hiccups, what, like no major hiccups. No, nothing, nothing huge. We didn't like open a wall, and there was like black mold pouring out of. Okay, everything. good. You know, everything was pretty good. Good. Uh, the one thing that did slow us up a lot was like it was really rainy. Um, and with the addition, we were building an addition so we could build the pit room and the front porch and like the side yard, and we had to pour concrete. And uh, like we could not string together enough dry days to pour concrete. And if we couldn't pour concrete, we really couldn't proceed with the project. Sure. You know, there and how it works with you know labor and contractors and stuff is well, they don't want to come here to do like one fourth of the project. Yeah, they want call do the me whole- when you're ready to do the whole thing. Yeah. So it's like, great, well, we're at a standstill until it quits raining. That's one of the crazy – and here, if you're, like, starting between Dude, it was like, March – Yeah, that's exactly – March what. and June, you're you're screwed. Yeah, that's, that's you're, you're fucked because yep. there is no – there's like, it's impossible to get consecutive days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, or, and, and this is it. It'd be like, oh, it's really hot and sunny all day, and then it rains for 20 minutes at 3.30, and it's like, oh, great. It rained really hard, and it filled up all of our uh, – where we're going to – uh, pour the concrete. Yeah. Oh, sorry, it's too wet. We can't get out there and pour. Wait another five days. Rains again. That's nuts. But that, that's you can't control that. Like that is one. Of it those is things. what it is. Yeah, However, that really there are is. still people like hounding me. When are you going to open? When are you going to open? Yeah. Why aren't you open yet? I'm like, dude. If it was up to me, we would be open. Yeah. You know, I, this is not me doing this. Um, so from first, first, uh, so from that first meeting of let's start this restaurant to getting your permit, it took a year. Roughly or six months? What was it? From the, from the, you mean at that location? Yeah, yeah. It's like the initial, Getting the guy the comes to you and says, hey, like nine months. Nine months. I thought it was going to be a six, like a 90 day turnaround. God. 
you know, if it had the CO, I'm like, okay, we'll go in there. We'll put stone on the walls. We'll yeah. Do the ship lap stuff. We'll get it uh, fitted out, and we'll just build the addition, and everything will be cool. And boy, man, talk about uh, humili- humbling experience. Yeah. And it, there's not information online about like, hey, here's some tips or something like that. It's just you kind of just go into this blind and figure yeah, it out. For me, I don't know if somebody finds them out there. Let me know where they are. Uh, man, that's crazy. For the you next- should. You- you should write something when you have time about like, hey, guys, this is what you shouldn't do, what you shouldn't do. Do a podcast or something because, I mean, this is, the fact that we're in today's world and that information isn't out there. That kind Well, of there's so much, there's so much um, um, personal opinion uh, in that process. Yeah. It's up to the inspector and it's up to the plan reviewer. So... Even finite rules that you think are in the book don't really apply if the guy doesn't think that they should. I mean, at the end of the day, it mm-hmm. says, like, at the end of the day, it's up to the inspector to prove or deny it. You know, it, it's it's on his opinion of yeah. whether it's right. So whenever you're dealing with anything like that, it would be nice if there were hardline rules and stuff, but there's not. There's nothing. And it yeah. works in your advantage sometimes, and it doesn't work in your advantage sure. other times. Because you can say, look, this is code. And the inspector's like, yeah, but I like it this way. So call me when you've changed it and done it this way. All right. Oh, my God. And I'm going to assume there are older guys that have done this forever. In this uh, role. Some, there's some, some younger that, there's ones. There's some younger ones that are – are the younger ones at least more understanding or is it I more – I think the older ones are cooler. Really? Mm-hmm. They're like, wow. well, this, you know, this isn't going to kill somebody. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the younger, the younger guys, guys are trying, are trying to make, to make a name. Make a name. Yeah. Yes. No, you yeah. can't do that. This yeah. is off by an inch. Right. How dare you? Someone might die. Like, yep. Dude. It's a parking spot line. It, no one's you know, going to die. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like cars are going to yeah. be car, uh, par- cars are going to be parking themselves in like three years. So right. It's all good. It's all good, my yeah. man. Uh, so you, you finally get all this shit done. Then construction starts. You make – and uh, for, once again, if you guys haven't stopped by, this isn't like a paid endorsement or anything. Uh, it's all, It's beautiful. It, it's really a cool building where it's um, – you know, like I told you, like, man, this is awesome. I didn't know this was even here because it wasn't. You right. built it up, and it does feel like a hill country joint where you just go in, and you're like, man, I feel like I'm uh, I'm home. Mm-hmm. It's really nice. So you guys got to check it out. And there's plenty of plenty of space. Yeah, and there's a full bar. Yeah. That's what oh, happens that's the other when you have a 28-year-old open a, a barbecue joint. There's going to be a full bar What's there. the permitting and all that stuff with with the alcohol license and super, uh, liquor license and then super restaurant? Super easy compared to the other thing. Okay. I, had my, I was ready to sell liquor like eight months before I was ready to start construction. It just fell out of form. and then the, the, We got a, we went to a, like a law firm that specializes in getting the permits, which okay. I highly recommend uh, do, going do about go it that, that way. Yeah. Uh, because they do it all the time and they know exactly what to do and they tell you, essentially cut this check sign this paper you know give us this information yeah. about everybody and you know they'll do they do the process for you but that's another process i think when people try to get into it themselves that they really uh have a lot of problems uh doing that man that's uh, yeah look into uh, people that because there are spe- like there's tons of people that specialize because businesses are opening every day right that's the other thing and, and it, whether it be a restaurant a storefront whatever it is Businesses are opening every day, so there are people out there to help you. Yeah, it goes uh, back to the rely on yeah. rely on other people when you need to rely on other people. Okay, that's pretty cool. That like you got to do that, and you know what? Pay the money. Yep, it's going to yeah, cost you pay. more in the long term trying yeah. to do it yourself. And- yeah. Also, when you're doing anything like this, figure out how much things cost you a day. Like, how much does it cost me a day not to be in operation? Okay, that's it. Is yeah. it worth it? Is it worth it for a month delay? This is how much money I'm losing in the month not being open. So while this is all going on, you're still doing catering. 
doing pop-ups yep. and all that good stuff. No, you still, no pop-ups. No pop-ups, I, catering. I'm over at the property every single day. Wow. Um, I go over there and I sit in my truck there for nine hours because things get done when the owner is there. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and we had some subs that were working and dude, it's just, it's my baby being built sure. and I want to make sure everything is correct. And there were, there were times where things definitely weren't correct. And it was mm-hmm. a good thing I was there. Um, so I didn't have the time. I mean, a pop-up for me was a week-long process because, you know, where do you hold 500 pounds of meat? Okay. You know, like there's not a refrigerator that holds 500 pounds of meat. And I make all my, we make all of our sides, and I did make all my sides from scratch. There was nothing from a bucket. All the potatoes needed to be peeled, peeled cooked, chopped. Yeah. Potato salad had to be made. Every ingredient in the potato salad had to be cut up and added and mixed. And the jalapeno cheese rice and you know, all the sides took a really long time too. Not to mention the shopping for all this stuff. You know, you're going to Costco, you're going to the food distributor out in Missouri City, you're going to H E B like sixteen times. Man. You know. So I mean, dude, these things take they take a lot of effort and a lot of work. Um and um so it was like, nah, I can't do I yeah, can't you don't I can't do anything but guaranteed money. So if you wanna get me for catering, I can do a catering. Um, and then, like, sometime around July, I was just like, no, nothing. There will be no food from this point forward. We're not doing anything. Yeah. This is my last pop-up. This is my last public food appearance until the restaurant opens. I'm mm-hmm. not going to do any catering. I'm fully focused on opening the restaurant seven days a week. Did you have to relearn, like, the logistics of it uh, for restaurant side? Because that's something you're, you're not used to. Yeah, I had to bring in uh, one of the guys that comes to work came to work for me at a lot of experience in the restaurant game. Okay. So that that you got to bring in somebody that knows that cuz it's tough to relearn the uh food distribution side and getting the right meat in at this time and all that right. stuff. That's just yeah, that's easier to bring the owner, else. you need somebody else on board that can kind of do that stuff. You have a lot to think about especially when you're owner and pitmaster. Mm-hmm. So you you're already kind of spending 100% of your energy on the barbecue um making sure that it's consistent and great every day. And then um, managing employees, and then yeah, how's that been? Customer relation, dude. Managing employees, managing people who have lives themselves, and mm-hmm. they have shit come up, and that's my brother was telling me like that's the that's the hardest part about owning a business. Yeah, just managing like, employees. Yeah, or just people who, I mean, this is a small business, so we don't have backups. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And just to have people just no show for work, no call, no text, just no show. You know. It's like I have to go like wake my girlfriend up. I'm like, hey, guess what? You're working the pit with me today. Man. She's like, so and so didn't show up. Nope. You're in. Yeah. Have you had to fire somebody yet? Three months Yes. In? How was that? Uh she thought she was gonna come back to work there because we let her keep the apron. It's really <laughs> weird. Um she's like, Oh, well, I'll clean the apron and bring it back to you guys. I'm like, No, no, it's fine. She's like, Oh, that's because I know you're gonna hire me again. I'm like Probably no, not. probably not. You know, <laughs> probably be wise to go look for another job. Oh, you know? man. Uh, she was nice, but she was like one of those, like, she just kind of liked to go around and tell everybody how to do everything, but yeah. she didn't do it the right way, you know? Yeah. Um, like, not never good to, like, tell the boss what he needs to be doing. Yeah. You know? Um, and then everybody else has just quit, you know? Yeah, a lot They've of people quit. have gone through yeah. a lot of people. I'm sure. Um, I think there's a lot of people that think they want to cook barbecue every day, and then they get back there, and they don't want to cook barbecue every day. 
So uh, you finally opened up three months ago, three and a half months now. Yeah, it's about like December roughly. 10th or something. December 10th. How was that finally, that first day? Oh, my God. The first day was crazy. Um, we had <clears throat> like a line around the block. Good. Um, it was nuts. I think I scared off a bunch of customers because they thought it was going to be like that every day. It's not. You can just walk right in and grab some barbecue. Yeah, like right now at lunchtime, you can just go. Yeah, you can it's, go over there. It's, it's pretty fine. easy. Yeah. Um, if you're worried about it, show up at 11. Uh, people don't start coming until like 1130 normally. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to get in and get out quick, show up at 11 or like 130. Um, but, uh, the first day was crazy. Nobody had done anything there before. It was everybody's first oh, day man. and it was the busiest day we've ever had. So you guys didn't do like a, a test day or one of those. Well, it was a soft opening, but there it were like was... 600 people that came, Shit, you know, and we had, I mean, it was, and then the the thing about the soft opening was, yeah, the wait was longer because a lot of those people were people who had been following me for a long time. Yeah. So they wanted to. Con- I was cutting all the meat because I was the only guy in the whole freaking place that knew how to at that point cut a brisket. You know, so yeah, I was cutting. I was front and center cutting all the meat, and so every time a person would step up in front to order, they'd be like, "Oh, hey, Grant, how's it going? I'm so happy for you." And if you have 60 people in front of you they all have an additional one minute conversation with me while i'm cutting does, yeah that's an extra hour that person's gonna have to wait yeah which and, is which is nice this is very it's well very, i'm gonna yeah I, if like, you show up on my first day i'm gonna give you the i even now i mean i'm sure yeah, you yeah. saw it at the restaurant if you come to the restaurant i'm gonna come talk to you you know most people if you look remotely yeah. interested in having a conversation i'm gonna come up and say what's up and thank you for coming out and yeah that's just how i like to conduct business um so, and especially these people that waited in line, they've been supporters of me and they show up on first day. Yeah. Hell yeah, I'm going to have a conversation with you and accept, sure. you, you know, take your, 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 um, your well wishes yeah, and all that and stuff. You, yeah, absolutely. You throw but, me some luck my way. Hell yeah, I'll yeah. bottle it up and save it for a rainy day. But it know? sucks for the person that's back in line. Like, fuck, right, wait, like the dude that yeah. had only heard about it from the newspaper article. Yeah. And he shows up. He's like, what the hell is going on? You know, it was what it was. It was yeah. an awesome day. There was tons of, there was a lot of love in the room, um, and uh, we took a week break after that. Really, just to just regroup. Like, okay, and... let's figure out. And I already this was already pre-planned. It wasn't like anything catastrophic went wrong. Yeah, and we needed yeah. to take the break. I said we're going to open one day, then we're going to take a week. We're going to let that one stress test show us where all of our weaknesses are, and we're going to spend a week improving um, the functionality of the restaurant. Good. And we did that, and we worked really hard, and then we reopened the next week. Um, and it was kind of off to the races. Good. Um, How's it been so far? Really good. Good. Really good. Um, we're, we're lunch and dinner. Show up for lunch if you, you know, I mean, it's barbecue. So the earlier you can get there, uh, the better. But I pride myself on lunch, dinner being really good too. Um, but obviously, you know, there's a reason why most um, barbecue joints, they open at 11 and they're sold out. It's because that. The fresh stuff is incredible, you know? Yeah. Um, but uh, I like know. that you're open for dinner. And Heck you, yeah. You plan. I mean, this yeah, is a dude. city. We were talking about this the other day. This is a city of, of of people who have jobs, you know? Yeah. When we lived in Austin, there were tons of people who worked from home. They had kind of odd jobs. They worked in the industry, so they were nighttime people. They can go wait two, three hours at a barbecue yeah. joint on a Tuesday or Wednesday. And... Uh, burn their day waiting around for barbecue. Well, in Houston, there's a lot of people that'll never be able to get to your restaurant 
uh, unless they come at dinner. Yeah. And um, we pride ourselves on on having a high-quality product at dinner, too. And, too, when you have a bar in your restaurant, you're a lot more inclined. People will come in and have some drinks and hang out and have a chopped beef sandwich and a margarita or, you know, whatever. Yeah. They're going to do that at dinner. They're not For really sure. doing yeah. that You're at doing business that lunch. lunch. Yeah. yeah. And We're, it's just easier. Like, on the way home, you can pick it up, and you know there's going to be barbecue. Like, yep. You know, a, a, as much as I love a lot of other, like, uh, other barbecue restaurants, the reason I never went to one until recently is because it's like I'm not waiting in line. I'm just not. Right. I, I just – I know it's a good product, and I'm sure it's going to be great, but I'm going to go at, like, 3 o'clock, and if there's no barbecue there, then tough shit. I'm not going to get it. Oh, right. well. Like, I just can't wait, and I like that. Like, you're like, you know what? We'll be open for later for dinner because if it was like that at other places, I'd be there at dinner. Right. It's so much easier just to roll through at dinner. Mm-hmm. It's tough. You're right. It's tough for Houstonians to get in, and you got to drive everywhere in Houston. Austin, the drive. If you're inside, you're not using 35. The drive isn't too bad. Right. Okay. But once again, I haven't lived there in 10 years now, so I'm sure with the new uh, traffic up there, it's got to be kind of bad. <laughs> Getting increasingly worse, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, but it's easier to drive there as opposed to Houston. Like, going from here to your restaurant is going to take me 25 minutes almost because right. of traffic. Yeah. Um, but that's cool that you are open uh, opened up. So what's the biggest thing you learned during this process for opening up the restaurant? Patience. Patience. It'll happen. You know, um, have faith in yourself that it's gonna happen Mm -hmm. and believe it like believe and don't uh everyone always says it and super cliche and trite but like don't give up um (laughs) you can kind of get yourself in a situation where you can't give up you know what i'm saying with uh uh getting so far down the the rabbit hole but um just have patience with it know that it's gonna work especially if you're young you know i tell people this all all the time so what if it takes you three years you started when you're 25, you're 28, you're still super young, man. Yeah. You know? That's uh, the other thing. Like, we fall in love with that final product. Like, you went in thinking, all right, you know what? I'm just going to do this pop-up. Let's just take that first step. Take that first step, get it out the way, and then shit will adjust as it goes. Like, did you think you were going to be opening up a restaurant that fast a year and a half in? Somebody came up to you and was like, hey, Grant, let's open up a restaurant. Yeah. You know, like, don't think about that final product, that final thing just yet know that that's the goal but don't just aim for that right out the the gate because you won't succeed then right like just take that first step yeah and another huge lesson i learned was um don't put a whole bunch of expectations on yourself um because every time you don't meet an expectation you're gonna internalize that as a failure and it's not if you think you're gonna be open in six months and you're not and you expect it to be Mm -hmm. i failed instead of looking at it like I'm going to get open at some point. Okay. We're going to do this. Don't don't be hard on yourself when you're not meeting deadlines. Sometimes it takes longer to mature. Um, or the the thing that you thought was going to and the idea that you had that thought it was going to blow it out of the water, sometimes it needs more nurturing or or whatever, but like expectations are a killer, man. Yeah. Uh obviously push yourself, but you can push yourself without putting uh expectations on things. Yeah. That's a tough one for a lot of people because and don't put expectations on customers either because that's just going to build like resentment and animosity towards your customer base. How um, so? Expand on that. That's that's an interesting uh, thought. Uh, when I open, everybody's going to show up and there's going to be a line down the block because my food's awesome. Yeah. I expect this to be the best. I expect uh, my, com- I ex- you know, com- let's say you're building computers. I I expect that 
my sale, my customers are going to buy these mm-hmm. these computers, and I'm going to sell a whole bunch of computers in the first month. Well, you d- let's say you open and you sell 25 computers in your first month. You're like, oh, those customers are terrible. Yeah. Dude, the customers are your friend. Customer, those 20, what you got to think about it is those were the greatest 25 customers that you had, you ever had because they took a chance on you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You're right. That's, yeah, that's a good point. Um, and don't, you know, don't expect that every customer that you deal with is going to be uh, happy with what you did for them, no matter how much work you put into it or how great the product was. Sometimes somebody's going to come up and complain about something and you're going to know that they're wrong and you're going to tell them that they you were right. You just have to, yeah, you just have to deal. What's the worst customer experience you've had so far? Oh, man, there was this guy who drove up to the restaurant and he ordered some food and um, went down the line, ordered. It's just one guy. And uh, got to the cash register. We told him how much it was. Everything was on his tray. It was like 20, 23 bucks, $28 for his whole meal. And uh, he like said, screw this, it's too much, I'm not paying for this, walked out of the restaurant, got in his Lexus, and drove off. I'm like, dude, you drive a Lexus, and you're complaining about like wow. 28 bucks? Come on, man. And It's probably leasing. Yeah. <laughs> he's probably, he's like, got a nice Lexus lease. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, the, yeah. The, the thing about it, too, is like, you would never order something at a sit-down, re- the thing that was so insulting was, you would never order at a sit-down restaurant, and the food gets there. And you looked at the menu that had the price on it. Yeah. And when you got the bill after you ate it or what whatnot, you're like, nah, dude, not paying this. Oh, that guy strikes me as a guy though that he would he would leave after food gets there. He's like, nope. Oh, it's here now. Oh, that's not enough serving for the fifteen dollar fajitas that I ordered. Right. I'm out. Like, there's just some assholes that 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 are I like that. Believe it. But yeah. then to get in the Lexus, it was like really the icing on the cake. Yeah. And I and, there, and you know with barbecue, there's nothing you can do about that. It's already sliced. It's the the set with barbecue. The second you slice it, it starts dying. Yeah. You know, so it's like, well, it's, and I'm certainly not going to serve any of the food I served to him to another customer. Sure. So it's just like, hey, employees, any of you guys want a free dinner? It's like, Here what else go. can you do? Yeah, right? It's like, man, okay. but and that that's the thing. When you know you're going into a premium place, you're going to pay those prices, that, right? Like. Know that, know that going in, guys. Like, well, yeah, it, and that's the thing like, too. I is, bet that guy went in there, but he saw the menu. <laughs> like, how? Yeah, the, and then and the insane part about the pricing is like, okay, we're a, a dollar more per pound than, on brisket than mm-hmm. pretty much. Uh, we're either on target with the brisket or a dollar more per pound yeah. than anywhere. Okay, maybe you're really crappy like Dickie's Barbecue, where like four or five dollars more a pound. Sure, but I mean, but that's just again quality. Dick- yeah, yeah, it's just you're, you're paying quality. for quality. Um, in our sides, they're homemade. They're like a dollar more. And you wouldn't believe some people just like, you know, like, oh, my God, it's so much more expensive. Oh, yeah. That's okay. They, the one other thing I have to, you have to always tell yourself is, you know, value yourself and the product you put out. Mm-hmm. Just because somebody tells you that it's too expensive doesn't mean that it's too expensive. Yeah. Have confidence in your product and the quality that you put out. And listen to all the people that are telling you, just like you, say, no, man, it's completely worth it. Yeah. It, it is worth every every dime um there's so many premium barbecue uh, barbecue the craft barbecue places around town right um yeah and, and like i'll name all of them like papa charlie's i think is good it's mm-hmm. expensive the first time i went there i was like shit that's a lot for uh three people four people right but after you're finished you're like fuck that was good mm-hmm. you know Killens is obviously the other one that people talk about and once you can you know if you can wait in line you're like 
or you go there at three o'clock on a Tuesday or something, and you can hopefully get in with no line. Right, it's worth it. These like I, I, me personally, I've never left a craft barbecue place thinking, yeah, I overpaid. No, you right. know what you're paying for, and it, it hits the spot. Yeah, you're usually full. Yeah, and that's like another. That is another oh, hilarious yeah. thing. I see people come in here and they're like, forty. It was forty dollars for me. I'm like, dude, you got a pound of brisket. Like three quarters of a pound of ribs and a quarter pound of sausage for you. That yeah. was enough for like four people. Exactly. Yeah. Like know what you're ordering. Yeah. Like, you, Chill out. Yeah, you know everybody wants order? to get something. You know yeah. what I order? A uh, one slice of fatty brisket and two pork ribs. That's your and a that's small it. side of coleslaw. Okay. That's it. That's it. That's it. So, but that's but when you go to a place like a craft barbecue like place, you want to try everything. Though. Yeah. You know, like oh, no, there's no. that. That's the thing. Like when you when when I go to Lockhart, I'm like, all right, I'm going there once a year. I go once a year. And guess what? It ends up being like $35 just for me <laughs> yeah. because that's what I want. You yeah, know? quarter pound. And, and we don't do plates or anything, so it's all a la carte. So it's fully customizable. But yeah. uh, if you want to know what the equivalent is of a three-meat plate, it's a quarter pound of each meat. Okay, so that's about a quarter, ma- uh, quarter pound. Yeah. Where, where are some of your favorite places to eat barbecue-wise, not barbecue including yours? Rise, uh, I'm a pretty big fan of Corkscrew up in spring. I've heard a lot of good things about them. Cool I haven't people. had a chance to go up there yet. Awesome people, too. Yeah. Um, there is a place, 2M Smokehouse in San Antonio, that's new. It's pretty okay. awesome. Um, young guy owning it. 2M Smokehouse. Yes. Is it a trailer or a uh, storefront? That's a brick and mortar. Brick and mortar now? Nice. Yep. I might have they opened my- on the same day we did. I know oh, really? The guy, I know cool. the guys that opened it, and the food is, is it's legit. Good. Okay, I'm putting them on my list. Yep. I'm, I go to San Antonio, San Antonio a lot. Yeah. It's on like the south side of town. Um, worth the detour. Absolutely, 100% for sure. Nice. Um, there's so many places opening up too now it's yeah i feel like every day there's there's a guy from austin who was working at friedman's bar um evan Leroy. he opened uh he opened another place in austin it's like a food trailer that i'm really looking forward to checking out okay um and there's a guy who's going to be opening up in pflugerville so outside of austin uh his name's john brotherton he has brotherton's barbecue um and uh he's got some Great stuff, and I'm really looking forward to when his brick and mortar opens because he's doing he's doing the pop up thing right now, nice. and I think it's supposed to be pretty soon, like a really quick turnaround. And uh, I will do everything I can to try to be there on the on the first day. Fuck, Pflugerville so far though, <laughs> like, especially with traffic. Fuck. It's barbecue. I know. Um, how's uh, the how's the barbecue community been here since you've opened up? To you, have they been uh, receptive? Have they interesting? Interesting. It's been interesting because there's some heavy players now here, mm-hmm. like uh, that have established themselves as. The, the place to go right right uh how's that been uh you you probably i will never name names but you would probably be very surprised with the people that uh they're not the major the major players are really nice guys okay like greg gatlin is one of the coolest dudes ever man that guy's super nice will and nicole from corkscrew salt of the earth awesome people nice i'm friends with ronnie killen you know um there's been just a people band. They, you know, uh, I'm not ashamed, dude. I grew up in West Shoe. Yeah. You know who else grew up in West Shoe? Jim Good. You know. So, yeah. Uh, you know, an inner city kid went to Lamar High School. Grew up in West Shoe. There's a few people out there that are like, thought everything was handed. You know. Yeah. It's not the case. Man. Nothing's handed. Yeah. Try being 25 and deciding you're going to open a barbecue business coming from this area with no culinary background. Dude, I had to grind just like everybody else. Sure, I lived on you know, it's, I lived on my parents' sofa. I mean, 
didn't we could get into we could talk for a long time about all the setbacks and struggles and yeah. stuff but you know just because i didn't have 40 years of bumps doesn't mean that so many less credible than your my food is any less credible than the next guy that's a, the like the culinary back culinary background i was going to ask you about is because you you don't come from a traditional culinary background you you're like i like doing this and i'm going to pursue it i'm going to learn it i'm going to learn my craft you put in the hours mm-hmm. that's the other thing just because you didn't go to school for it doesn't mean you haven't put in hours mm-hmm. and crafted your recipe and crafted the way you cook and all that right. stuff um how's that been with other people and chefs or you know just the the customer base i think because it's barbecue it's a lot more acceptable um there are, are certain i guess certain people that they're probably more receptive to a mm-hmm. person who's gone to culinary school and, and done and done that thing but it's not been an issue like i said dude um, this is how i was from the beginning put it eat the food tell me what you think yeah you know, oh man that's awesome okay i didn't you know i did that without having a culinary background it still tastes good my my culinary uh culinary degree whether i have it or hadn't didn't make the food taste any better or worse yeah if it's good it's good you know if you can make good stuff make in you don't if you can make good stuff without getting a degree to do it make it look at bill gates mid freaking yeah. windows man he didn't, he didn't too, yeah he, he didn't go to school for it necessarily yeah. um and uh I, another interesting piece of advice that uh i would give to people too is um because we, we do live in texas and there's like Traditional, everybody needs to have traditional barbecue. And, you know, central, what are you? Are you central Texas style? You know, yeah. like, are you east Texas style? Are you west Texas style? It's like, <laughs> dude, I'm Grant Pinkerton's backyard style, okay? And I really like it, and you're going to like it too. Um, my ribs are going to be sweet, and my brisket's going to be salt and pepper, and my beef ribs are going to be big and barky. And you know what? That old joke in Texas is, um, where's the best barbecue? It's in my backyard. Well, we're bringing our backyard to you, and my backyard it doesn't have any strict traditional yeah. adherences. You know, we just cook good food. That's it. And if it tastes good, that's what matters. Yeah, exactly. Like who uh, gives a shit well, about this, this pork rib is a little sweet to be a traditional Central Texas. Style. Well, it's not. It's Grant Pinkerton's rib. Okay, yeah. it's good, and I like it, and I like it. And since I'm the one cooking it and serving it, I'm gonna make sure I'm serving a product that I want to eat. Um, but the thing that i always remember too is there's so many people we're going back to talking about aaron franklin reading his book copying exactly what he does or 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 anybody they're opening up a cookbook and you know they really like some sort of chef or or i mean you can expand that you or one kind of clothing line or whatever you're going to expand it to Mm -hmm. um be original man don't follow don't do something that's hot right now because you'll always be second best at it. Yeah. Somebody already's done. They already have that lead on. Somebody already mastered it, man. Yeah. You know, like, um, go be original, do what you, if you're copying anybody, you will always be second best. Yeah. That's a good, that's a great dude. You're not going to become the, like, I hate it when people do this because this is my industry. It's like, you're not going to become the next Colin Coward. You're just not. Right. Because Colin Coward's already there. Yeah, and I'm sure you see it all the time. Yeah. People trying to copy the style and all that stuff. You're not going to be the next Jim Rome. You're always Jim's gonna, already done it. Yeah. You're always going to be, even if you reach the very top of your field, you will always be below Cal and Coward. Yeah. You know what? So you're right. It's stay like, in your lane and try to drive faster than the guy next to you. Yeah. But in your own lane. Fuck that. Create your own you lane. You can only be the best if you're doing something original. Yeah. 
Right, you can never you, be the best yeah. doing something of somebody else's thing. That's so important, man. Know your strengths, know your weaknesses, and do you. That's it, man. Don't try to replicate something you're not because people pick up on that. That's the other thing. Your customers will pick up on that shit mm-hmm. so fast. Yeah. Like, if you're going to try to act like you're Franklin's Barbecue, right. and you, people will know, like, dude, stop. Right. You know, like, you're not going to, that's not you. If you're going to, for sports radio, like, dude, you're not Jim Rome. Stop. Right. People know you're not. And even if you think you are, your customer knows. Right. Your listener knows. Your customer knows. It's so important. Just find out what you're good at and do that because you can make your own following. That's the other thing. You make your own follow. Why not in 10 years? People are like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That one chef worked with Grant Pinkerton. Uh, he's a disciple of the Pinkerton barbecue. Right. Stuff like, you know, like the yeah, Franklin's like, disciples. Like the uh, like dis- family trees. Yeah. You know? As, that's the other one. I was like, when. So, like, to me, I'm, I was like, I just like barbecue. I just right. want to go eat good food, okay, more than anything. But then when people get into, like, these food writers get into this, oh, yeah, and he's a disciple of, of the Franklin chain and this guy, and he worked with this. Like, dude, I don't give a fuck. Right. Is it good? Is it good? Is it? Because I don't know what that barbecue Like, I just want barbecue. Or I just want good Mexican food. I don't care if he's a disciple from Ninfa's family. Just give me a fucking good plate of food, yep. you know? Like, it's so important. And we overthink well, it's simple things. just like things. college football. It's like... It's from the Art Browles coach family tree. It's like okay, but does oh, yeah. he win? Does he win? Okay, shit. What tree is from? Yeah, he's from the Urban Meyer coaching tree. But does he win? Well, he better win. Yeah, Tom Herman better win. <laughs> that one, yeah, you that's better what win. I was no, alluding to. Yeah, you better win, Tom Herman. Yeah. We're both Texas guys, dude. Thank you so much, man. It was a blast. You got anything else you want to hit on? You're good. Uh, hook 'em horns. Hook 'em horns. It's gonna yep. be a good season, man. I want to catch up with you. Uh, hopefully, like three six months from now. Cool. Let's. I want to catch up with you a lot. Like, hey, how's this business going? Because we got. You're three months in now. It's going to change so much, and you'll hit some struggles that I think you can uh, enlighten us on. And, yeah, uh, keep people adapting. Listening. And uh, how can people follow you on Twitter, Facebook? Uh, what? Yeah, go follow us at uh, PinkertonsBBQ at gmail.com. You can email us there. Um, that's the best way to get directly in touch with me. PinkertonsBBQ on Twitter. PinkertonsBBQ on Instagram. We have a really solid Instagram and Twitter account. And then on Facebook uh, at Pinkerton's Barbecue, spelled out with a C-U-E. All right, everybody go check them out. Grant Pinkerton, thank you so much for stopping by today, man. Uh, Don't be a stranger. And I don't think I will because you'll see me a lot. Cool, let's eat a beef rib together. Absolutely. Not like share the same rib. No, not Lady in the Tramp style. That's the only way to do it, honestly. All right. That would be more fun to do. (laughs) I'll make sure it's a big one. Yeah, (laughs) make sure it's a big one, not a tiny pork rib. (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much to our sponsors sneakersummit.com guys their new st- their new storefront is open 59 and uh south shepherd so go check them out uh if you're looking for a certain shoe they will help you find it if they don't already have it they've got hundreds of shoes there uh yeezys your ultra boost they've got you covered jordans air maxes whatever it is they have you they've got a lot of supreme stuff for those of you guys that are into that bape they've got you covered go to sneakersummit.com learn more about adrian brian their whole gang there love hanging out with them and uh, you can follow them on Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Sneaker Summit. Do this. Follow them on Instagram. They post up their deals of the day, and you will be like, what? That's it? Only $75 for some Jordan 1s? Yeah, that's right. You can find stuff like that. Follow them on there. They are awesome. Sneakersummit.com, 59 in South Shepherd and Upper Kirby. want to thank uh, Perfume Time Houston. You guys stop paying retail for your perfumes, colognes. They also have watches there. If you need your uh, battery replaced on your watch, Go to Perfume Time Houston, 8000 Harwin. Look them up on Google, Perfume Time Houston, or just give them a call at 713-782-0030. HTownDental.com. That's right, HTown now. 
has a dental office. Four of them actually across town. HtownDental.com. Book your appointment there. Mention the Reheal Show podcast. You get a free cleaning and x-rays. Tell Dr. Roms and Ollie I said, what's up? That's my brother and his partner, Bobby, and the whole crew there. HtownDental.com. All right, guys, we're out of here. Our next episode is going to be an interesting one. Uh, my buddy Jay, he's a personal, he, well, he's a, he's a personal trainer slash uh, corrective trainer. He works with guys like Dwight Howard, and he has a story similar to yours. He got into a field. He's like, fuck it, I'm going to do this. And the next thing you know, he's training an NBA player just like that. Boom. So it'll be an interesting talk. We'll do, uh, we'll do that on Friday, the uh, 31st. So uh, keep it here. And, of course, subscribe, rate the podcast, podcastarena.com slash Raheels, where you can find it, or on iTunes and on Android, on Beyond Pod, or on Google Music. Please rate and subscribe. That's huge for me. Thank you so much, guys. We'll talk to you next time.